No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world. And today I'm in here with a legend, a YouTube legend, a, a basketball legend. The professor is in the building. Hey, honored, man. Thanks for having me. How you feeling, man? I feel great. I feel good, man. It's an honor to meet you, man. Honestly, like I spent the last couple of days just deep in your channel watching all kinds of crazy shit. And you're, you're a, an, an excellent top tier YouTuber as far as I'm concerned, my friend. Hey, that's humbling coming from you because I've, I've been watching you and Vlag for years now. Like, <laughs> really? y'all are the goats. I, I found out about you from watching Vlad. Oh, hell yeah. I actually met Vlad. Like, I was telling them I actually met Vlad 2012. He asked me to do an interview before a Floyd Mayweather celebrity game. Really? And I turned it down because it was either I would get to warm up for the game or do that interview. So I asked him if we could do it after, and then I, I lost track. It was too chaotic after the game. Wow. But that's how I found out about you from watching Vlad. So if you, that's Serendipity humble. right there. It was humble. meant to be. Yeah, humble coming from you. You guys hustle. That's crazy. Yeah. The one thing that stands out to me about your channel uh, is just the fact that still, after all these years, your channel still does such good views, and you haven't really like switched the formula up. that like You do a lot of different stuff, but it's like I'm just so used to seeing channels that are based around a specific skill or niche kind of like level off or drop off in, in views at a certain point. But I, I really think it's pretty awesome that your fan base is still so excited to see you uh, just go out there and kill it. Thank you, man. Yeah, I think uh, you're right. It's still, it's still highlight-driven basketball. And we've tried actually a lot of stuff, but the ones that are like the bangers that most people see, they are kind of similar. But mm. I still try to like evolve over time, whether it's higher production um, I've got like a friend of mine, he's an award-winning reality TV producer, director, cinematographer. So he does one video a month for me now. Oh, okay. And then like just dressing it up. Like I said, it's funny, you had this Joker costume. Like we dropped one, I dropped one this morning that was a little different. Like I actually like went on a date. And then in that date, it was with a chick who played ball. So like we went and got costumes for Halloween, you know what I'm saying? And then we wore them and wow. then we went and hooped at Venice. So that's like a little bit different. Yeah. Or like I recently did like a Space Jam, you know. So I dress up my highlight-driven basketball in different ways. But one thing I did learn over time is that if you're breaking ankles or you're like like really putting on an impressive show with basketball, that's going to be hot as long as basketball is hot. Right. So that's, you know. But do you feel like yeah. you've seen like basketball, from my perspective as somebody mm -hmm. who's not super knowledgeable about basketball, it seems sure. like basketball has just always been huge. Have you you've seen the ups and downs and sort of the interest over time? Um, basketball's at an all-time high, popularity-wise. Yeah, but right. the NBA just did an incredible job the last, like, 10, 15 years especially. Right. Like, of course, it's always been popular, right? I mean, we can go back to Dr. J, and it was still cool. But, like, right. I feel like in the 90s, you know, with Jordan, it really blew it out the water. And then mm -hmm. even today, it's, like, next level to the point where you even got people, influencers, who are, like, basketball comedians. Right. You, you know what I mean? They're, they're making a living off <laughs> emulating, bas being funny and emulating NBA players. So that's, like, an actual job. So I think it just continually has gone up. I don't know that it's ever, like, dipped. Right. I just know, for me, what what's vital for mine is putting on an epic performance, whatever I do, but then also trying to come up with, like, new moves and, like, I actually play totally different than I did when I was on the Anwan Mixtape Tour. Like, try to get better. Like. I'm getting near 40, but I'm still trying to get better. You know what I mean? Okay, so let's let's go all the way back to <laughs> to a very young professor. Okay. Uh, where exactly were you born, and where did you spend your formative years? Tell me a little bit about that yeah, time. Yeah, I'm from a small town, Kaiser, Oregon. It's like okay. an hour south of uh, Portland. Okay, and um, suburbs. I just played every second of my childhood was basketball. Really? My, yeah, my parents. Basketball were, family. Your dad was just obsessed with it. Yes, exactly. Not he wasn't a college or a pro level player himself, but he was obsessed with the game. And then he put a basketball in my hands like two years old. Right. I got footage myself at two. Wow. Hooping. And uh, 
his passion for the game wore off on me like right away. You right. know, by fourth grade, I was trying to make the NBA. Wow. So, um, but I had no social life. It's just straight basketball, straight AAU, straight a driveway. We had the gym. As I got older, we go to the hood and who, you know. So, right. but you were just practicing like all the time. You were that driven to be great. Yeah, my dad was my biggest idol. Uh, Michael Jordan then and then Allen Iverson and mm. once Allen Iverson became my favorite player it was like fourth or fifth grade they hired me a personal trainer and this was like now everybody got a basketball trainer right if you're a parent you're, you're trying to get your kid individual training that's a huge thing but right. back then I had this trainer he was like real innovative he just was doing it by himself and he showed me the Iverson crossover when I was like in fourth grade okay and that was the first move that's why I realized I had a gift. I picked it up in like one week. Really? But I was crossing grown men at fourth grade. And honestly, I've always looked really young for my age. So, you know, when I'm fourth grade, I'm, I'm as tall as this table right here, but I could cross like grown men. Right. So that put me on the map for like having handles. That's dope. So you were getting a, a fair amount of popularity in school and stuff because people just knew that you were talented in this regard or? Yeah, yeah. If I, was, I was actually like really antisocial, but I was popular just just because I was good at basketball, right. yes. But I didn't have like an elite run though through school. Okay. Because I looked so young, I didn't get the opportunities. Right, because you were you're like when I'm watching you in the N one league stuff, like you're you're much smaller, but then you're doing crazy technical shit. Like was that always something that you worked on a lot because you knew that you weren't going to be able to necessarily uh, you know dominate based on like strength and, and size and stuff. So you just got better at the handling side of things. Hundred percent. Always been a super finesse player because. Yeah, like you said, size and strength is so big in basketball. You know what right. I mean? Like some people will tell you size doesn't matter, right? That's a big, that's a saying, right? right. I yeah. love that. Some people tell me you prove size doesn't matter. And my response is like, well, it matters. Size doesn't <laughs> matter if everybody's the same size. Yes. Si <laughs> then it doesn't matter. Size and strength super matters. Right. Uh, but Even the smaller... in the things where it's not supposed to matter. Because I was into jujitsu forever. And jujitsu uh -huh. is supposed to be like the thing that is it's it doesn't matter like a little girl could choke right. out a grown man yeah in reality these guys are all fucking giant muscular dudes the right. ones who excel because size does have a big effect yeah. it's it's everything like it's so much everything it's almost to where like you know if i was if i was two inches taller and weighed 20 pounds more i would have been an nba for like for sure right <laughs> like that just that it doesn't sound like a lot but that's that's a lot you know for so sure. so uh Going back to it, yeah, I say the smaller you are, definitely the more skilled you have to be. Right. But I just did it because I was copying my favorite player, Allen Iverson, with the crossover. I shot floaters. I never really like I could never shoulder nobody to the rack, you know. So I would shoot. My mid range was like a layup. Right. You know what I'm saying? 15 feet and in, automatic, and I was a good shooter too. But uh, my main goal was to try, I was trying to make the NBA. You know. Right. Like that every kid's dream. But so high school, you didn't really have an epic run. But then, where do you go to college, or, or what yeah, happens so, after that? So high school. I mean, okay, let me take it back. I was always a starter on every team, and then as I got older, I'm such a late bloomer. Like you know, I still look like I was eight years old when I'm in high school. So right. I got held back on the JV team when I was a junior. Okay. It was a big hit to my pride because mm. all I played was basketball. You know what I mean? Right. So that's what I'm known for. But I didn't even make the varsity team as a junior. So stayed down, and then uh, I had a great season, scored a lot or whatever, but I transferred to the small Christian school uh, just for a better opportunity. My parents put me there for a better opportunity to play college ball. Mm. So I got second team All-State. I was one vote away from MVP. 
crazy high. I wish hoop mixtape and balls life was back then because right. I might have got a scholarship just off that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Off because now they they'll give you a scholarship off potential. If right. you go crazy on a mixtape and they're like, yo, this is lit. Like you might get a scholarship like that. Right. Because it's just the, they understand how valuable the, a really good player is that everybody's in serious competition now. Yeah, high skills more valued and potential. You right. can get a scholarship off potential. Before yeah. it used to be like you had to be that dude. Now, Sounds like the music industry where they used to sign artists who like clearly could make hits. Yeah. Now it's like they'll sign you because you look like you seem like you have a little you bit seem of like talent. A star. You seem like you might be able to be worth $100 million one day, even if you're presently worth zero. Yeah. See, I didn't even know that to be a truth. But oh, yes, yeah. These it's like that in basketball shady, yeah. for sure. So, <laughs> so basically, I had this really good run. But I live in a small town. The school I graduated from, only like 300 kids in the whole school. Oh, wow. And I'm a kid. I'm sheltered. I don't know how it works. You know what I mean? So I didn't get no college letters, no nothing. I went and tried out for three community colleges. But again, even, you know, 18 years old, I look like I look like I was 12. Right. So I would go out there. I remember one trial for a community college. I don't think I missed a shot. I might have missed one shot on the day, and we won, like, five games straight. Mm. And I'm, like, we're only going to, like, seven or 11 or something like that. I'm scoring, like, more than half the buckets. Right. I still got cut. The coach was like, oh, I don't think he'll match up here. Oh, so wow. what happened was, my dad, uh, he owned a jewelry. We have like a family jewelry business in my small, uh, small hometown. Mm. And the head coach from the local community college, he would go there and like buy his jewelry for his lady or whatever. And I didn't want to go to that school because I wanted to get out and go away from home. But my dad persuaded him to like give me a shot. He's like, hey, my son's passionate about the game. Like, can you give him a look? You know what I mean? Right. And this guy was cool enough to like let me go up there and try out. And I would kill it on offense, but I couldn't guard anybody. Mm. Like we had seven footers, people going D1 and all that. And I was... I shied away from contact. You know what I mean? People right. drove. I was like, I didn't want no parts of that. So nobody could really trust me on the defensive side of things. Okay. So he lets me redshirt. Then a bunch of guards got injured. So next thing I know, I suit up. I played about two, three minutes a game. If the game was close, I didn't even get in there. Mm. But then after that freshman year, I improved like 300%. Like I didn't even know. I had to know in retrospect, like how much I actually improved. Like I literally went from bench player to d1 prospect in like a few months what would you credit that to <laughs> like what was it just pure sweat of just being in the gym working your ass off uh, a few things yeah that's part of it one just love of the game it's still the only thing i went back to any any uh setbacks i had i didn't know nothing else so i still would go to the gym the next day it's what i love to do and in street ball i'd always kill it you know what i'm saying everybody mm. knew me for playing in like pickup and street right. ball stuff. It's and even funny. when you were young, you had a passion for doing that. It wasn't. It was. It was the actual part of your life. That was. It's my only. That was my wow. only thing. Yeah. So, uh, but also I had an incredible coach. This guy by the name of David Averhalden. Okay. He's still the coach at a, the community college, Shemekita Community College. Okay. But he had me hit the weights for the first time consistently, um, make thousand jumpers at five a.m. before class, open gym is at two thirty. So literally, 5 a.m., we're making 1,000 jumpers. 2.30's open gym. Making, not 1,000 shots. Make 1,000. Make. make 1,000, even some other stuff. Like We had like a two-and-a-half-hour workout. Wow. Then, But I loved it. I was like, cool. That, that's, that's what's so funny. Then open gym was at 2.30. And then uh, I would go hit the weights. And then afterwards, I would come back and still work on my game. Right. And so I did that for like three months straight. And I think also, you know how people are late bloomers. I matured really late. So I, at some point, being physical and stuff just clicked. Like, it was no problem. Right. As soon as that clicked, I never even lost at the open gyms. We had guys going D1 and D2. 
people would come in with their prospect. They'd bring their D1 prospects. I was mopping them up. They'd be like, oh, who's this kid? And my coaches were like, oh, we don't really know. <laughs> you know what I mean? They didn't have answers. But it was right at that moment that and one was going crazy. Right. And so the mixtape tour was like the biggest thing in basketball, rivaling the NBA at that time. Right. You know what I mean? Not, not outdoing it, but, you know, but it was NBA super popular, is the goat yeah. of all basketball. It was like taking some of the business. Mm. I remember I read one time that and one actually took 15% of the basketball market from wow. Nike, Adidas, and Reebok. That's crazy. Yeah. So I remember this like vaguely at the time, but yeah, I didn't realize it was that significant. Holy shit. Yeah. You remember that Nike freestyle commercial with like the dudes were, they was like in a black room and they're freestyle. They're passing it out of the screen to the next dude. Okay. So that phenomenon came about, but Nike did that kind of like to compete with and one because street ball was like on high. So all the companies made their own version of street ball. So you left college to go play in the N1 league. Yeah. So okay. I actually went as a fan. Oh, I was just a fan, you know, hot sauce. AO, uh, skip to my Lou main event, headache, street ball legends. Shout out to my big bros. They headache. were my idols just as much. You see, you seen this documentary on Netflix that just came out with him in it with who with the headache guy. Oh no, I didn't see it. What is oh, it? It's called bad sport. Oh, I got to check it. Oh, yeah. Okay, I got to check it. It was pretty, yeah. We won't go into it. Okay, I'm supposed to call him today, actually. That's <laughs> funny you say that. But anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm, those are as much my idols as Allen Iverson and Michael Jordan, like literally. So I go up to just go as a fan to watch it, and then they were having these tryouts before the game, and I was like, oh, it's like, oh, I said, anybody can play? Like, so I tried out with nothing to lose, and I was like culturing and one at that time. I had one shoes. I had one shoe. Like, I wore that to school, you know? Right. And, um, I got in there and crossed up a couple people and people were losing their minds, you know what I mean? So, right. so next thing we know, the players are picking who should go in that night from that tryout to play against Team Man One. So next thing I know, they pick me to go in the building. I'm going at it with my idol, Hot Sauce. Like literally, it's like a movie. Dream come true. I mean, I couldn't even believe it, you know what I mean? But the crowd was loving it because like, I didn't back down, you know what I'm saying? We were going back at it even though he was crossing me up. Right. And then it just so happened that... Uh, that year, you know, they're trying to find new talent. And that's what the TV show was actually about, unbeknownst to me at that time. Oh, okay. So they're like, you want to go on tour with us after that night? And I was like, I mean, yeah. Like, <laughs> what? Wow. I'm, I'm like, did I hear that right? Was it hard to blow off all your obligations in your actual life at that moment? Um, well, I had no life. I just, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it made it easy. Right. Just played basketball. But no, I was blown away. I called my parents. They're like, yeah, do it. My parents are always super supportive. So uh, I went on tour. And I'm thinking, this is so funny. I'm thinking when the ESPN episode debuts, like I think it was like two or three weeks behind real life, right? So mm -hmm. in two or three weeks when it was supposed to come out on ESPN, I was hoping that I could pause it or maybe like they'll show one of my buckets that I got. But then uh, I found out the show was about the new talent. Like I was the star of the show and, and I didn't, didn't know, know it. till it aired. They didn't even, t they might've told me, but I was so young minded. I might, I might've been too caught. Like didn't under hear it. You know what I mean? Holy shit. So I remember watching, we were in Jackson, Mississippi and, uh, we were about to play a game out there. And I remember the show came on like at three o'clock or whatever. So I'm checking it out with the dude who's my roommate at the time. And I was just like nervous. You know what I mean? Like see myself knowing millions of people are watching on ESPN. And, um, the whole theme of that show was modeled after Survivor. Remember that reality mm -hmm. TV show when reality, this is when reality TV just, just got going. Mm -hmm. And they're like, we're going to try reality TV for everything. Exactly. Yeah. So they did it for, for Anne one. And it was basically like this summer long process of elimination. They're trying to get one dude to win a contract with Anne one. Mm. And so I ended up making it all through the summer. And then, uh, you know, one of the last games, I hit a game when he shot, we beat team Anne one in Madison square garden. Right. 
I think I've seen this in the highlight reel. Yeah, and so and then eventually uh, the last game was like in the hood in Linden, New Jersey. Wow. Shout out to a big bro main event. It was his his hood or whatever, and um, I ended up winning a contract. That was and it's like I wasn't going anywhere with college, so my parents were like, "Yeah, let's do it," you know, because we what, thought and one was gonna be like a globe trotter. What did the contract look like financially for you at that time? I think my first one was. 60k okay 60 or 70k so yeah. and one is kind of a working class type of league at this time like it's the guys aren't getting rich but the culture of it was very i did a few years in okay but yeah i mean it was season two mind you none of these dudes have made six figures so right. like this was like their first dose of probably making six figures i know <clears throat> i had the small contract first time like hot sauce was the headliner okay you know skip was already in the nba uh main event they, they probably had some bigger deal they probably had six figure deals at that time right but uh i was just happy because all my work you know it's it's like that whole uh preparation meets opportunity success can be had so mm. i feel like that moment had happened for me so i just feel like living the dream because you seem like you have <laughs> such a good attitude about all this but at the time was it nerve-wracking and were you at times maybe even depressed like you know thinking that like you weren't you were, you've been obsessed with this thing for all these years and maybe it's just not going to turn into anything i mean it must there must have been hard times it was it was like there was some a lot yeah like getting cut from the varsity team was like broke my heart worse worse than heartbreak from a girlfriend you know what i mean mm. it was like my everything and then not being able to play college ball and um but it was funny, too, because I look back on it, and really what, what I was a victim was that, like, Oregon plays, like, white people basketball, right? It's okay. like four-man and Princeton offense, and we're going to outsmart the team. But I was playing, like, how they play in the league. You know what right. I mean? I was playing, like, like street ball, and, like, my coaches didn't trust me enough to, like, let me be the man and, like, cross people up until I was, like, on that one school my senior year. Right. And then going into college – I just didn't look the part, so that it's hard. Sometimes just have passing the eye test goes a long way. Mm. Even like in re college recruits, like my brother's a a college coach, you know what I'm saying? And right. he always says that he's like, "Does it pass the eye test?" Like that that weighs in a lot if you just look the part. Yeah. So I looked opposite the part. Right. So, so yeah. Do you feel like that was ultimately <laughs> a negative for you at that time? Like the like it is the the very rare situation where being like a white guy is going to be kind of to your detriment that people are going to discount you do you feel like it put more attention on you or do you think that it kind of hurt you because people just automatically assumed you weren't going to be good it helped me because i could play an underdog on the court and i could surprise people how good i was mm. but it didn't help me as far as them giving me opportunity to play at mm. different levels so it was like both but it's funny because it made me how good i am today it made me work harder you know always being the underdog it was kind of like Eminem, right? He was in Detroit doing his thing, but like right. nobody, Detroit didn't uh, receive him like the rest, the rest of the world, right? You, you know what I mean? And you always kind of wonder, like, what would Eminem's career have been if he was like a normal-looking black dude who happened to be that good at rapping? You know, how what would that career look like? I don't know. I think he probably would have been pretty successful regardless, but it definitely wouldn't have looked like it actually did. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. So it was weird. It was to my, like you said, it was to my detriment to be a small white dude that didn't look the part. And then when I got on and one, and I was pitted as an underdog that succeeded, people loved it. And so mm -hmm. then it was like to my advantage with business and everything. So it was both sides of the coin. Right. So how long were you doing the and one league for? And when when did it eventually end? Uh, I signed my deal. I tried out the summer of '03. Okay. And then our actual endorsement deals ended. In 2008, okay, the company got bought out. Owners knew nothing about basketball. They it was it. an elderly couple that actually lived in 
Orange County. Why the fuck did they buy it? Because on the numbers, I mean, Ad One was bananas. You know what I'm saying? We were cover Sports Illustrated. I mean, f- they were starting to really get into Foot Locker heavy, like threatening Nike. And, uh, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it was literally going nuts. Uh, I think oh, 70 to 80 percent of the NBA was actually wearing Ad One wow. at the time. And they only have like one or two, like, you know, seven figure endorsement athlete. KG was one, Stephon Marbury, Skip, obviously. Mm-hmm. But else, you know, but outside of that, a lot of just the regular NBA players were rocking it. And it was all because of the mixtapes and the street ball, even though nobody really talked about it. It was just the unspoken thing. Right. So, 08, they don't even call us. They hired a whole new head of branding. They got some dudes from Adidas who were not really into street ball. They were OGs. They were in like their fifties. They like Dr. J and like, like they knew NBA. That's what they did. Like one dude made, I remember he was telling me made a shoe for Shaq and all that. Mm. So they respected NBA and respect street ball. But they thought that they knew better than everybody who was already involved. Yeah. I remember they told me, they said, Hey, you know, and one's a tree. Uh, the mixtape tour is just, just a branch, just a little limb out here. You know what I'm saying? We got a lot going on. And in my mind, I was like, that don't sound right. Now looking back, I can be like, it's retarded you know what I mean? yeah. <laughs> like it built the brand you know what i'm saying and when mixtapes built mm. that street that whole movement that's why the tv show happened that's why the brand went to new levels wow so the old, original owners though i respect them though you know they started at 93 passing out t-shirts out of the back of their car at, at the rucker right or in new york and then sold it 05 or 06 whenever that was but they they had two more years in the espn deal so they did it to 08 okay but they sold it for like you know, 50 to 100 million or something like that. So I don't blame them, right? (laughs) And then uh, basically that ended and I started my YouTube channel. I went broke. I remember I had uh, just under $200 in my account. I was living out here in West LA. Around the time that the M1 thing Completely broke. I probably blew three to $5 million my whole M1 run. You were going crazy financially or was it more just like actual normal expenses? Yeah, I mean, I had a Benz. I lived in a four-story condo and like my bill spend was probably like, 10 to 15k like i don't know why i was just being a kid you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? like, having fun we thought and one was like the globe trotters though we, i think it was never ever going to end and in theory it could have went for a really long time right if the right people were behind it like understanding its max potential but right. it didn't they didn't even brand in hollywood that's the funny part like they didn't have no pr we, we like weren't repped by any agency right like we individually were exclusives to them. They did all our marketing. Like I look back at it now, people are like, "What you? What would you do different?" I'd be like, "Uh, be on Leno." And yeah, <laughs> it sounds horribly mismanaged. Like in retrospect, now yes. it kind of makes sense to me. Like why and one was in the peripheral of the culture for so long, or was like yeah. around for so long. But then, yeah, like I mean, I remember even a couple of years ago we were at a convention talking to some guy who was like a rep from and one, and okay, it just you know, it was like they have no fucking clue why they exist anymore, from what I could tell. Yeah, well, I do know a couple people up there nowadays. It's been bought like f- three or four times. Oh, yeah. I think it's yeah. been reacquired three or four times. And now the company that owns it, they know it's built off Streetball, but they're in Walmart. So they're smashing it. Right, okay. They're, they're Walmart's main sports brand with Shaq. Wow. But really, it's and one. Like, Shaq just had a few shoes up there. Okay. So they crush it. But as far as like marketing, like, they have like a small IG. They don't really like. It's right. more of a legacy brand. You know what I mean? So you were you were partying. Like, what was your lifestyle like at that time? Like, were oh, you, we were you, wild. You're having a good time. Rock star. <laughs> and one had six tour buses. Right. Like, one was for production, two or three player buses, right. PR, and all that. And yeah, I mean, yeah, partying, chicks. All that was probably like at one point. I think the priority might have been a little out of order. Like that was probably a higher priority than basketball, right? <laughs> or at least I can say for myself and probably a few of the teammates mm. or, or everybody. I don't know. I, feel I don't want to speak for them, but uh, 
But it was some great times. I learned a lot from it. And so then you go broke. Dead broke. And then what, uh, what, what do you do? The YouTube channel was your big idea? Here's what's funny. So I started the YouTube because Anwan was in 40 countries. Okay. So they licensed it out, right? Mm-hmm. When we would tour, like we went all over the world, but we would only go to those entities that had Anwan's, Anwan's stores. So I knew that they were still out there and those people still wanted to get a hold of us. So I knew a dude in Brazil, like we did an Anwan Brazil game and the head of Anwan Brazil was like, yo, like, you know, everybody wants you to go all these places. They don't know how to get a hold of you because we're used to going through the company as people aren't there anymore. Mm. And so I was like, all right, give him my number, you know what I mean? But then I also knew that YouTube at that time, I think it was in like 20 countries or something like that, maybe 30. Okay. Way bigger now. But like I started my channel because there was a bunch of professor highlight mixes that fans made. They ripped my highlights from the show and put them up. They're getting millions of views. So I'm like, dang, I might as well like try to flood this, let people know I'm out here. Right. But I did it on my homie's channel. I didn't know how it worked, right? I was just trying to like flood YouTube because at that time so unsaturated right like and you no, literally nobody had any idea that this was like a place where you're trying to build a home for yourself it's like yeah it's, it's crazy to think back on that because it's like the idea that putting your time and and, and money into youtube yeah seemed crazy at that time we're yeah. talking what 2008 2009 you said i was on there yeah up until okay. 2008 yeah so so yeah so i try to flood youtube but then google adsense came into play the next year 2009 <clears throat> and uh one of the dudes who had put out a lot of the streetball mixes, he lived in San Diego. Back in that day, you could send a DM on YouTube. So I DM'd him. We started talking. He was a big fan or whatever. And he, I drove to his place. He made my first three edits for my YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. You know, paid him like a G or something like that. And then, um, and then he showed me how to edit. So I, I edit. edited all my videos at least until like 2015, 2016. Really? And I still do some a little wow. bit now. But... Uh, but at that time, what I did to make ends meet, this is what's so funny, is I actually kept a box and I had like 50 to 100 of my An- 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 jerseys. Mm. I sold them on eBay. They were going from 5000 or excuse me, 500 to $1,000. I sold one, them. One by one and you spread it out anonymously so you wouldn't, wouldn't made, fuck the market up? Made about 30K wow. anonymously. It's funny too because like they're going everywhere. This is what showed me that the YouTube was still a good thing. And this is how I knew this was hot. It wasn't the market that rejected us. It was that they just took it off the air. You know what I mean? Because everything was unsaid. We didn't really know what happened. Right. right? We don't know. Was it an audience thing? Was it? What was it? So yeah. I knew it was marketable because like people were buying it in my neighborhood. Dude bought one for like 2500 Wow. <laughs> and, you know, then it'd be China, Japan. These things are like going. They're like hotcakes, right? Yeah. So I lived off that for a few months. And then I was just, I started getting booked for those one-off gigs. I do like, you know, and one Brazil. Um you know, and when Africa, I do these one-off games all over the How world. How much do you get paid, and what do you actually do when you show up? I'm uh, just go. I just go there. We might go to like a couple like schools, or go to like you know, do a little bit of promotion, or like play some kids or whatever. Right. Just get people hyped, and then the game, the day of the game, we'll play like a pro team or something, and then just do our thing. We we're definitely trying to win. We're trying to entertain, just like I do now. Right. And so uh, I would make. I think at that time, I would make between like two to five K per game. Okay. But but they'd be few and far in between. Like mm. I had hard times from the end of 08 until twenty eleven. Okay. So yeah, so I started the YouTube, it gets a little traction, but I, I wasn't thinking about being a YouTuber. It's just like whenever I got footage from the game, I'd chop it up myself, have fun with it, and I upload it. Right. But I was getting like you know, hundred K, you know, fifty K 
think my biggest video was like half a mil at that time or something. So the, the appearances were still making way more than you were making from AdSense? Yes. Right. So then uh, this company called Ball Up tried to do a revamp of An One. It, was, it wasn't successful. That's nothing compared to An One. Tried to bring the, the whole league back and everything or just the brand? They tried it. So, so An One actually was never a league. An One oh. was one team that okay. would go around the world and, right, and right. play people and... It was hard to duplicate because that group, like now I can look back and say like that group was elite. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because what it was like the best of all the summer leagues. So it'd be like today, the best of the Drew League, right? the best of Rucker. It was like all those. And then I was just like somebody who tried out and play with them. But uh, we were beasts though. We would beat pro teams and put on an incredible show. And then like if NBA players play with it, it'd be seamless. Like, like you know what I'm saying? Right. Like it was a high, it was high level. Nowadays... The popular hoopers on YouTube, they're not near, they're like junior college le- or like college level. Right. You know, and one, there's a special talent, but dudes were always like one thing away from the NBA, you know, like mm-hmm. maybe not coachable, maybe in between position. You're like a tweener, you know, mm-hmm. like are you a one or a two? Right. You, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. So it was beast. But uh, yeah, so ball up gets recreated. Or, or and one tries to get recreated. It's called Ball Up or whatever. We had a show on Fox Sports and like it was okay, but I think everything was becoming digital. And I think that movie, mm. that movement didn't really grasp onto like digital marketing as much. Right. But I was still doing my YouTube. And so a homie of mine came to me in 2013 and uh, he's like, man, he's like, you know, you got like 17K subs. Like you're doing good out here. Like you should take this to the next level. Like you're not, you're not trying to go viral. Mm. And at that time, I'm I'm young. I'm like, oh, you think I could go viral? <laughs> you know, like I didn't think somebody outside the NBA could really do millions of numbers at that right. time. So just because it hadn't been done, you know, the whole influencer theory, the whole idea of being an influencer just really did not exist yet no. at that time. And it was just starting to become a, a, a thing, a, a rational career path. Yeah, because if you right. had known that in 2008, it would have been like the career path for you. You would have been able to. Like Go if crazy. You, if you knew everything in 2008 that you know now about how to basically be somebody who's famous for doing something and then make merch, make co- more content, do deals, all this shit, it's like the the career path now seems very obvious. And back then, it's it was totally foreign. Back then, oh, 50 million subs today. Like yeah. if you, you like, right? You you say the same thing, right? If you oh knew. yeah. If I, if I had known to like how to be like you know Casey Neistat or David Dobrik or whatever, like just to be guys. a vlogger, yeah. you know, yeah, like yeah. they they kind of like dudes like that sort of showed everybody the game in a lot of ways you know now I it seems clear yeah. those two dudes especially yeah wow. logan paul all of them like casey neistat is probably one of the biggest influences for almost anybody who makes like good quality vlog type content you know it does a great job he showed us yeah. how, how it could be done because before that everybody who made a vlog it was just sort of like hey how y'all doing what's up yeah, like a lot of dead time and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I know. Bad angles, shaky ass footage and shit. Yeah. You know, he kind of showed everybody what was possible. Yeah. Totally. Totally. So, um, okay. When, when, so, so then you start to actually treat it more like something you were really putting effort into, or how do you go about trying to turn the YouTube channel? Yeah. Up? So, so it's in stages. So 2013, my homie comes to me. He's like, man, a couple of these videos have been going off. You got a half million right here. Like, mm. he's like, I think you could do something viral. And he was real into cosplay. Shout out to homie, my homie Rob, uh, Rob Monroe. He was really into cosplay. And so we looked at like the top viral videos from 2011 and 2012. And uh, a lot of it was like pranks or accidents or whatever, but a couple more like cosplay. Mm. And so he was like, yo, he's like, you know, it'd be trippy. He said, if you wore a superhero outfit 
and you went and played people one-on-one at the park right and you didn't show them it was you and it was sort of like a prank so look we chose spider-man because spider-man you wear the suit you can't tell who it is okay i had no idea that the spider-man stuff was the first thing that really blew up first banger so so we did spider-man basketball we decided to do it. I was like, oh, that'd be funny. Like, he's like, he's like, I think it'll go viral. And I was like, oh, all right. I was like, it'd be fun, funny either way. Yeah. Like, I'm not thinking anything of it. I thought it might do a few hundred K views, right? right? One of my better, more funny videos. So I couldn't even find a real Spider-Man costume at that time. Like, now it's easy to find a cosplay, right, that fits. Mm. But, like, back then, all costumes are baggy, and there's very few of them. So there was one company that was sold a size medium Spider-Man. It was, like, in the U.K. Wow. So I ordered it. It was like 500 bucks or something. I got it. I put that thing on. It fit like a glove. I was like, yo, it was like made for me. Like, mm. like literally, it looked like it was tailored for me. Side note, do you know about Spider Cuz? That sounds familiar. Who's that? It's like a, a gangster rapper from New York who wears a Spider-Man oh, yeah. costume. And I, he yeah. drinks Henny and carries a blue bandana and all this shit. Yeah. You know what's funny? I think I found out about dude from this show. <laughs> okay, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. <laughs> We've definitely discussed him on here, yeah. Yeah, maybe my, my cousin shout right Shout out to Spider Cuz. I don't yeah, know what he's doing Spider right Cuz. He's a cool guy. <laughs> She just gang banged on me. Okay, oh, you keep just got going. banged on. Jesus Christ. Um, so, yeah. So, so I ordered the suit. It's like it was meant to be, bro. Oh. I ordered it. Fit me like a glove. Like it was crazy. And I looked like on aesthetically on screen, I look exactly like the character. You know what I mean? Right. So we go to a park. We don't even know how to do it at the time. I'm like, yo, you go first. You know what I'm saying? Act like you hooping, and I'll just come up, get in the game, and just start just bust out the camera. So we did it. Everything was flawless. I don't even know if I missed a shot. Mm. I played for like 30, 40 minutes. Not that the comp was super high, high level, but the fact that every move worked flawlessly, I didn't miss no shot. I couldn't even see, though. You know what I mean? I couldn't even shoot a three-pointer. <laughs> it was really hard to see out of that? A lot of the shots were shooting in that general area. It was just, you know what I mean? <laughs> it was just meant to be. So we literally shot only for like 25 minutes. Wow. But I could have made four videos from the footage. And then we, we left. And I almost passed out, you know, thing made me, made me nauseous just because like, I couldn't breathe, <laughs> couldn't see, couldn't do this right. claustrophobia. I go back that night and uh, I chopped a vid, I edited myself, it took like three hours, something like that. But I had a flight to Chicago in the morning, I'm still on tour. And so uh, I uploaded, I didn't know how to compress footage back then. So I uploaded from the DSLR, like this Canon camera, and it's going to take six hours to upload on YouTube. Uh-huh. So this is like midnight. My eyes are bloodshot. I'm like, oh man. You know, so I just left the computer on. It's uploading, I go to sleep. Woke up in the morning, still uploading. So I'm like, dang. So I said, F it. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to leave it overnight. You know what I'm saying? So mm. I just leave. Uh, went to LAX. By the time I got to LAX, and they already had like 300,000 views. And I was like, I was like, is this right? Like, I called wow. my homie. I said, does it say 300K? Because back then, it sent you like the email update of your videos. Oh, okay. So then, by the time I got to Chicago, I had a mill views. And then... And I think in the week it did six or seven million. But you know, back then the algorithm friendly now. Yeah. Back then, six, seven million in a week, that's like a a viral Freak shutdown. Show, yeah, you know what I mean? Some... I got hit up by Good Morning America, CNN, Sports Center, anybody you can think of. Right. And uh got a million subs in one week. Holy shit. Yeah. So it was like a business overnight. <laughs> wow. That must have really like opened your fucking eyes all of a sudden in a hurry to like what was possible on the platform. 100%. And the hard thing was I couldn't really actually be a true YouTuber until about 2015, 2016 because Ball Up kind of died out, but it took a while. So I was on their schedule, you know what I mean? Right. And it was kind of the old, our contract was like the old format where they do all the marketing and all mm. that. And I kind of have to corroborate. But at the same time, I was thankful because I was broke and like at least I had a steady paycheck. Now we get some YouTube money. I got two streams in. <laughs> you right. know? So I was like, let's get it. Holy shit. So what kind of content do you 
go with after that? Like, did you, did you sort of have like a vlog style format going after that? Or what, what, what kind of things did you try? I got into vlog style format maybe like not till 2015, 2016. Okay. I like if I wanted the way I always want to do it is just basketball content and just highlights always. Like I'm too, mm. I'm such a b-ball enthusiast. I thought that would be hot, not right. knowing that like there's so much more to branding, right? Mm. You do know, lifestyle, you can do everything. So, mm. but one thing I did know is like people really subscribe to me for basketball. So I got like a second channel. It's like 100k subs or something like that where I just do whatever. Okay. But uh, I ain't touched that in like three years. But my main channel. I try to do like hybrid videos where it's like a little bit of a vlog, mm. you know, and then we go play ball or it's like a straight cosplay. Like I did a Bugs Bunny Space Jam. Well, I seen you did the nerd the other day. The nerd. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I was like, this is amazing because I'm, I'm looking at the <laughs> Spider-Man one and then I'm looking at the nerd one. It's like 10 years apart and they're like both the same exact concept and it just works. Like people yeah. just love this fucking concept. And you, Bugs Bunny, I didn't see that one. But yeah. That no, thank sense. you, man. Thank you. And you know what I learned is, though, is like. It has to be a good... We did some spoofy character and it didn't work, but it was mm. like the costume wasn't lit. You know, like mm. one thing I did learn is if you're going to do a cosplay video, you need something that looks exactly like that character. The more you can look like that character, the better it's going to be. The more Walmart it is, the, the less dope it'll be. So I mm. learned that, but also the nerd... The nerd had already worked. I actually... Funny story. That nerd trend has been going on since like 2018, 2017. Oh, okay. So you weren't the first one to do it? Or? I was. Oh, though. you were. <laughs> so, but, but I did it on Vine. Right. Vine and Instagram. I think this, I did a six second version. I did a 15 for Instagram. I remember 15 seconds is the limit mm. for videos. So I did Nerd in the Hood. It was just like a quick skit where I was somewhere in Long Beach and like had these two dudes in a do rag. And I was like, hey, can I <laughs> partake in some basketball activity? Right. And, uh, some kid took the idea and did it on YouTube and he got uh, like 60 or 70 million views and he wasn't even a good player. He just like, he just, it was more about acting, right? He's mm. like, I'm here to play ball in the hood. And it wasn't even the hood, right? It was right. like, just like, it was kind of racist, like just some black people were there. So therefore he called it the hood. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I could imagine that like, if you were to pick and choose your shots, you would be able to sort of make yourself look like you were good at basketball, even if you weren't. I yeah. Guess. It was to, to the untrained eye. Yeah. I can't remember how it went. I think it was like a highlight video or something like that, but he wasn't bad. He just wasn't like amazing. Right. Okay. So it went crazy. And then a lot of influencers did it over the years. And then I was just like, I was curious, like if you, if you hop on a trend late, can you still go crazy if it's a good video? And mm. what I learned is yeah, you can, as long as, it, <laughs> as long as it's good. So we might do some more. You know what I mean, especially if you improve <laughs> upon the concept. Yeah. Yeah. I try to make mine different. I left the backpack on, mm. you know what I'm saying? Like, and then I played it up a little bit more. What, my girl was watching one of your videos with me yesterday where like a random guy on a bike just sort of challenges you to a game. You wipe the floor with him real quick. I don't even think he scored a single point. And she was like very doubtful. She's like, this is real. There's no way this guy's just talking shit. I'm like, oh, I love that. I'm like, you think that there's really like that big a shortage of random dudes on the street? Like, this guy's been making videos for 10 years. I'm sure he's dealt with plenty of hecklers who wanted to play him. You know, like, like do you ever fake anything or like, what, what's your line on that? Ne we never, the, the only thing we've ever done, just keeping it real. <clears throat> so, all my videos are real, 100%. People say that all the time. Mm. They're like, oh, this is fake. You know what I mean? But they don't know. Like, basketball is the most egotistical game, egotistical sport, period. Yeah. I can, there's probably a high school up the street from here. I go, whenever that high school team I practice, me and you could go up there right now. And somebody would think they could bust my ass, like, on the high school team. Right. That's just how it is. So there's And these <laughs> days, even if they don't think they could beat your ass, they still know there's some value in getting, oh, now to, they getting just to troll. take you on. Yeah. Now they troll. They just want to be in a video. But my biggest video on YouTube ever has over 70 million views. And 
It might be the one you're talking about. I'm not sure. I was at Laguna Beach, and this dude was, like, talking crazy. Like, yeah. He just had, like, a real problem with everything really I was doing. Really big guy, right? Yeah, heavy yeah, set. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we finally got into a game, and I don't know. We were only playing, like, five or something like that. So I did a move. He, like, fell. Like, yeah, like yeah, slapped yeah. the floor hard. I didn't even touch him, right? Yeah. No, a no-contact uh, ankle breaker is, like, A1, you know, because most <laughs> of them have contact. Right. So this dude goes down hard after talking crazy, right? All I had, our, our cameras died. We were out there for like four or five hours. We ran this on just two iPhone 7s. Oh, okay. You know, but I like layered the audio on you know, both sides. And uh, This guy's th good with the technical stuff right there. Yeah. I don't even know what the hell that means, but it sounds like it makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm an editor. I'm a nerd. I'm a tech nerd. <laughs> I love this setup. That's why I'm like, man, oh, this okay, is lit. Yeah, yeah they're, they're in charge of that. I don't know what the hell it is. Yeah. I know, I know. Um, but hey, uh, yeah, well, so... What happened was he falls really hard, and then, like, two plays later, I did a move, and he tried to, like, reach, but he threw his – like, across him, and he threw his shoulder out. Oh, wow. And so the game just ended like that. But I, a lot of people were saying that video was fake, and I was like, hey, you're right. We couldn't have wrote a better script than that. Like, it was, it was nuts. And that's what I'm telling my girl, too. I'm like, if they wanted to fake it, they probably would have got Some people are more, doing it. They would get somebody more entertaining than this guy. This guy is just kind of – it's not like he's, like, hilarious or anything. If they were going to fake it, I would think that they would – fake it a little better yeah yeah and some people are i guess now it's coming out like some people are uh faking the trash talker that was the mm. first trash talker video right. now everything is verse a trash talker but mm. like i didn't know what to call him when i was doing it. i was like what was he i guess he was talking tra trash talker i don't know right. if that's a thing <laughs> everything with that video was like an accident but it taught me a lot because one of the biggest complaints was like oh you don't play top level competition mm. even though like i do i play everybody you know what i'm saying but right. like People, they see one or two videos. They want to, like, judge your whole career or whatever. So right. so I wanted to make it clear why I was playing some heavy set dude in running shoes. You know what right. I mean? So I, I made a little story around it that, like, led to the game and then uh, played the game. But I kept getting everybody's thoughts. We got, like, my reaction, the people's reaction. Yeah. And then afterwards, when I uploaded, I just took the screen grab of when he fell. Mm. And I was like, let me just zoom in on it. Let me make this like an album cover right now. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. Let's just try it. So with that video, I just did everything right, though. Look, it was a lit intro. You know what I mean? It was like vlog style. It it, it told a story. It had like beautiful mm -hmm. aesthetic. It told a story that led to the game. The game was hilarious and awesome. And then it ended. I gave my sentiment, my thought. Mm. Some other people did, too. And then a perfect thumbnail and a perfect title. Yeah. And I actually did it on accident, for real. But then it kind of like taught me like, oh, this is the way. Right. And so now people have taken some of that format. I think some people make fake stuff. But we never have to. Like, we we go out trying to shoot a different video. Right. But then like somehow a, a real trash talk situation happens. And I'll, I'll tell, he's like my head of content, my homie Zach right here. Do, do you think that that kind of content appeals to people way more than you playing high-level competition? Like if you were to go face off with just somebody who's, about as good as you or somebody who's like really really good competition is that less interesting to the people um well if i play like an nba player or something it would like break the internet probably but it, yeah. it never happens it, why like, does that never happen well because most nba players don't want their workouts like on film like we're in the viral era right mm. nba players don't even go hard in an all-star game because right. like you could go viral you slip up and fall or whatever and I've never been the player that says, like, I should be in the NBA. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even – I got a lot of respect for people who make the NBA. Mm. And I just leave it at bay because I mo I really couldn't get players like that to do that probably. Right. And um, over the years, I used to just try to brand separate from the NBA. Now I'm learning. Like, I showed James Harden a movie, like 10 million views. Yeah. So 
doing stuff with the NBA is A1, but most people don't want to do it. And like, I try to respect like high level stuff. If I do workouts with NBA players, I don't film it or anything, you know what I mean? Right. Just because they wouldn't even want you there. You know, they would mm -hmm. feel like real slated and right. the higher competition, the higher the egos mm. most of the time. Right. So. I would think that like some of them would see the value in just doing it for the promotional element of it, you know? Like, well, so, some do. Like, I, you know, Big Baby, who played for the Celtics, we did like a 2v2. Oh, you yeah, know, yeah. James Harden, I, sh I showed him a move. Uh, but um, I played with Big Baby. Right. You know, and James Harden, it was just like, hey, check out this move. Like, mm. maybe you could use this or whatever. For but sure. But it's hard. You know, those guys are busy. Like, it has to be something that helps them. So, right. like, when I did the James Harden, it was actually a promo for NBA Live, and he was like, the spokesperson for it okay so therefore we the influencers got to do some with him that makes sense and then with big baby he was trying to start his youtube channel and he reached out and i was like oh let's get it but he, he never i don't know he didn't do it it's kind of crazy because like I, I feel like you you seem like you have a really good attitude about you know not having made it to the nba but to the people they're so used to there only being one path that you can really take as a basketball player that they expect you to have a shitty attitude about it and to be like 100%. salty about it right Oh, dude, it's funny you're even saying this. I was, like, thinking about this this week. But, yeah, and I don't know how much money, like, you know, hey, praise God, we cleared seven figures a couple years now. You know what I mean? I'm so, sure you have, yeah. So I'm thinking that, too. I'm like, I'm sure, you I, know, you're making as much <laughs> as a lot of guys in there, so who the fuck cares, right? And I only say that because, like, people still approach it like it's, like, a small thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so, some people that don't know, right? But you've kind of written, like, the blueprint in a lot of ways for how mm. to be an influencer that didn't make it to the league but is still able to build a crazy-ass business off of it, right? On, on accident, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, start, started on accident. But you figured it yeah. out for there's probably so many other people that are cribbing from your blueprint a little bit here. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now there's a YouTube Hooper community. It's got, like, mm. a couple thousand people or whatever. I right. was the first YouTube Hooper just on accident. Do you feel just, like you get the respect you deserve? Uh... Influencers always show crazy love, and NBA players do too. I mean, right. Kyrie Irving, you know, a lot of players, at, you know, they they follow me for a long time on social media. So, right. um, I think so. I mean, yeah, like I said, you know, like I was reading a thread the other day, and people were like, "This dude ain't a pro," and this dude does this, and they were having an argument. This dude's like, "No, he's dope," or whatever. And I was thinking to myself, kind of like what you said is like. They'll downplay it, but like I don't care what you you call it AAU. You know what I'm saying? We're doing good over here. I'm not yeah. even worried about it. You know, but yeah. um, as far as we, I really do it for to impact people. I don't, like the respect comes is like cool, but mm. like I actually do it to uplift and inspire people. Right. Yeah. At this point, that feels like that's a big part of it. Well, yeah. For me, for me, 2011, I actually became Christian, oh, okay. and so I try to. For me, it's about certain for people. It used to be for myself. Now I try to do it to impact people. Right. How did yeah. that transformation take place? Um, actually, uh, it's crazy how it happened. Um, my best friend, Escalade, rest in peace, the streetball legend, Escalade. Mm. Uh, he's actually Mark Jackson's brother. Okay. Uh, you know, Mark Jackson, NBA analyst. Right, yeah. Um, he passed away, 2011, heart attack. We were just marketing Ball Up. We were marketing the launch of Ball Up. Mm -hmm. And uh, I actually found Christ at his funeral. Mark was like doing a, he was preaching, he was doing an altar call. Had you not really just thought about religion all too uh, much? Not prior? much. I mean, I went to like a Christian preschool. Sorry about Christ when I was younger, but like my parents weren't Christian. They just did it because they felt like it was a good moral, you know, a good place to be. Right. And then my senior year, I went to that Christian school and uh, I like Bible class and stuff. I remember I looked at my homie 
at Bible class. This is the extent I actually thought about God or Christ at that time. I asked him, I was like, is Jesus real? You know what I'm saying? And I asked my <laughs> homie, and he was Christian, right? He came from a Christian family. He's like, he's like, I think so. And I was like, like Santa or like real? And he's like, no, nah, I think it's, I was like, oh, okay. So that was the, <laughs> that was the extent I thought about it. But I had friends out here, like I played in this church league that's sort of like evangelistic and then like they invited me to church and I just went just to be nice to them. Right. You know, and it was cool. And so I started exploring that. But, um, but yeah, my real transformation was at the funeral. Interesting. So yeah. you feel like you're basically able to like, like what is the goal and like, how do you use basketball to sort of change people's lives and spread mm. the message? And how, how has that changed over the sure. years? Um, well like now, like in terms of ministry, yeah, that's one way I can impact people. I do like probably like three to five, sometimes 10 free ministry events per year. So like I just did one like last month where some church was having a big, uh, like, uh, I don't know what it was, some sort of like youth convention or something like that. Uh And so I went up there and I just played a bunch of people one-on-one. I did an interview on a stage and just told my story and stuff like that. But I did it just for free or whatever. And then uh, with other stuff, you'd be shocked though. It's probably like you too, right? People reach out to you and are like, man, I'm so inspired by X, Y, Z. You don't even be thinking about it. So like people hit me, people have hit me at least 50 to 100 times talking about, man, I had cancer. I was watching these videos every day. You know what I mean? Or even like older people be like, man, you inspired me to pick up a basketball again. I was fat. I'm mm. 50. Now I'm starting to get in shape, get back to it. Yeah. So all different ways you can inspire impact. But um, yeah, so it's a few different. It could be like for faith. It could be just like to go play ball or to get motivated to go do something else in life. Yeah. I mean, even just like a model of being able to look at you and see that you're somebody who had a passion weren't going to necessarily accomplish your dreams, but then built new dreams out of the situation that you're in. I feel like that could be so inspiring to people. Yeah. I'm not surprised by that at all. Yeah. hundred percent. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of my goal with everything, but obviously, you know, try to, from a business standpoint, definitely want to do well and go to new levels and stuff like that. But a hundred percent. Yeah. Are you still the same person when it comes to your like pure love of the game? Like, does it, is that still oozing out of you the same way it was when you were a kid? Um, yes, actually even more because mm. now, well, it's different though. I preach, I approach the game different. So before it was always like trying to make the NBA, even when I was on N one, I was still playing like pro leagues in my off time. I was mm-hmm. playing like the, the CBA was like the old G league. It's like the super OG, like the G league eventually put them out of business. Okay. It was the NBA D league at the time. But, um, so I would train like a traditional hooper, you know what I mean? We, we know drills, we hit the weights thinking about uh, leading a team and offenses, picking roles and stuff like that. And obviously I played flashy, but street ball in that time was actually a bad thing. Mm. You know, skip to my Lou to make the NBA. He had to like lose his street ball MO and conform to the system. Whereas like now the impact from street ball and and one and everything is like in the game heavy, right? Like Kyrie is basically an and one <laughs> an and one street ball player, Steph Curry. Like I met Steph Curry, 2012, he asked me for a photo. He was like, yo, wow. I remember watching this. I was like, all right. So back then it was harder. But nowadays I'm focusing on just like how to straight entertain. Like you mm. see me play, I do, I do moves. I spam moves every play. I don't even care about, you talk to me about some offense. I didn't even think about that. You know what I mean? Mm. Just think about like moves. How can I entertain? And uh, 
how can I dress the video up and make something go super crazy? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, I wonder sometimes when I'm watching you just fucking absolutely own people on the court, <laughs> I'm wondering how much of that stuff is just pure flashiness that you're just doing for fun and how much of it is actually meant to sort of like mislead the player and, and sort of have their weight moving in one direction so you can go the other at a certain point. Like how much of it is just pure glitz and, and, and fun versus like technically useful? It's, it's both. Yeah. It's, I love that you even said that because these are things I think about. So, <laughs> so uh, it's both put together. I think um, if you're going to dance in front of somebody, like do a bunch of moves before I get into the, the move that's going to like break their ankle or whatever, right. it actually does something. I found that it can mess somebody up because, look, the crowd start to get into it. Yeah. There's all this anticipation. I see you fluster people so bad, and they're just left there. They look so mad. like They just don't have an answer for it. Yeah, so I found there's value in everything, but how much of it? I don't know. You know, 30% of it maybe. Like, I didn't need to do it, but, like, I did mm. it because it's going to make the video late. Or was, whoever was there was going to get them hype, and then it makes, like, the move more hyped. You it's know? just kind of easy for you at this point, too, so it's just a, a fun. Second nature. It's, it's not like it's risky. Like, you're not scared they're no. going to take the ball from you most of the time. No, it's those moves are called promo moves. Yeah. So if like you dance with the ball like before you even get to your dude, that's called like just promo. And right. so it's kind of like hypes up the main the main event, which would be like the ankle breaker or whatever. Right. I got that. My OGs used to call it that back in the day. But um, I think it all goes together and all goes hand to hand. But um, you know, I'm still working on when I work on moves. It's not necessarily promo. It's more about. Uh, how I can like lead the crowd like some of my, some of my OGs were like some of the best showmen I've ever seen you know what mm. I mean and so like I took you know pages out of their book on how to like really like lead a crowd there's an art to it though you know what I mean like I take the, the the crowd like the other day in Utah right I start out sometimes you just got to play real ball the first few games because like all they see is the highlights right mm. so the first two or three buckets I'm just gonna get a layup and be like oh thank you you know like <laughs> talk a little trash, you know what I mean, and get them hyped up. And then right. once they get tired and that cardio gets going, that's when you can break ankles. You know what I really? mean? People got to be breathing. Yeah, yeah they got to be nervous or not ready at all, or they got to be like, get get their cardio going. So you're a little bit of like a, a therapist as well, where you, you, you can see what's going on in their head oh, yeah. and you can like read your opponent as this is going on. And, it's all I'm thinking. And you I'm tailor thinking. your whole game to take advantage of that. 100%. That's, mm. all, that's all I'm thinking about is how can I – get them tired like a lot of times i don't even play d because i just know like this sounds real simple but a lot of people don't calculate this when they play people think how good they could do against somebody they forgot the cardio mm. they forgot basketball's all cardio yeah so and managing it really yeah so i'm like a runner i run two three times a week i work out at a rehab facility twice a week and then i also play on top of that so my cardio is gonna be a1 mm. so I know if you guard me and i do eight moves <laughs> so i'll do like seven eight moves of possession right right that means you had to be in the defensive stance and chop your feet for like 30 seconds <laughs> That's to a what minute. I'm, I'm thinking sometimes watching. If we just watching, stand yeah. up right here and chop our feet for 30 seconds a minute, hmm. you're going to be top, you barely going to be able to stand up. Right. So I know if they, if we get to the sixth or seventh possession, most people can't hit a jumper. They mm. literally, if we were just stop the game and be like, make a jumper, they, they probably can't hit a jumper. If they mm. can, I'm going to know like, okay, they hoop and they in shape. Right. But most of the time they can't. So. You know, you got to, like, time your moves. Like, when I was younger, I used to try to do everything right out the gate, try to break some of my ankle out the gate, and some people get a hand on the ball, or, like, it just wouldn't work for the show because it kind of, like, deflates the crowd energy and stuff. Right. Now, it's, I'm more scientific about it. It's, it's, it's like a buildup. There's an art to it. And then, like you said, I got to be reading them to know when the right time is to attack and go crazy, which still is a lot of the game, but there's a strategy. 
I like it. Do you uh have you ever ran into any uh, bad situations either from like going to the hood to play or even just you disrespecting somebody basically through your playing and have them get angry at you or something like that? Yeah, well, I mean, we bring three <laughs> security guards now. Really? Oh, 100%. Oh, wow. <laughs> Got to. So, yes, I had some run-ins, but nothing super crazy. Like, when I, go, when I do go to a hood or, like, play anywhere, I try to show everybody love, you know what I mean? And on the video, I try to show it true to its form, you know? Right. Like, sometimes, like, if I play for two hours, we, the vlog ain't going to be two hours. You know what I mean? We're going we're gonna to narrow that down. But for the most part, yeah, if somebody gets off, I throw it on the video, So it's and I'm showing them love and if they even agree to play, they kind of know what comes with it. Like mm. people who don't like me or not, they don't usually even want to play. But right. Um, but one time I, I was playing uh, in the CBA, you know, Chinese Basketball Association. That's their NBA. Okay. So I was playing a preseason game. And uh, the dude that was guarding me is like a big 6'5 dude, right? So he started to get tired because I was playing my street ball style play. It's like second quarter. And uh, I did a move. And he slipped and fell, right? He like did the splits real fast. And I hit the jumper. And even before that, I hit a couple jumpers, right? So the, they're at home playing their preseason game. They don't know anything about street balls. This kid was only like 21 or 22. Wow. But we were doing our thing. And next thing you know, the crowd's on our side. But this is their home home base, right? So then I came down, tried to go off the dude's head. He moved his head, though. Like, he moved it to the side. So, like, ricocheted off his head. It was all ugly. So I grabbed <sighs> it back. And I forget. Like, he don't know street ball. He, th- he don't even know that move. So he yeah. just thought I threw the ball to his head, like, like I was trying to punk him or something like that. Like, right. like it was straight disrespect, not sport. So he picked me up, he threw me, and then like both benches cleared. And they went viral. It's on my channel. Oh fuck. Yeah, I missed was, that one. It was on ESPN that night, like wow. top ten. Yeah, I mean bouncing the ball <laughs> off somebody's head. I could see how that would go over poorly easily. You call it the heezy? Off the heezy. Off the yeah. heezy. You like gotta that. pick and choose. Yeah. You know, with this era though, the hypersensitive era, mm. it's funny that move been turned into like the most controversial. Really? Back in the day, like hot, I seen like Steve Francis was the first player I saw do that, and then I saw like Hot Saw and my my AO my OGs. They used to use it all the time, and it was like just hilarious. Like yeah. it doesn't even hurt though. You know what I mean? People did it to me. Like it's. If you do it right off the forehead. The flyest shit is the one I've seen you do where you do it and then you hold it there for a second like on their head oh, and then you pull it back because that must be really offensive. I try to do that. <laughs> I try to do that one more because the, the hit, you know, sometimes it'd be a little low. It might go off the nose Ooh, yeah. and somebody piss. But that would piss me off. Yeah, yeah I like I like the, ro- the roll off the head. I try to do that more nowadays. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> when did the security guards come into play? So you, something must have happened when you were going to one of these neighbors to feel like you needed that, right? Well, a few things happened. Uh, we had a stalker situation. A stalker? Stalk, real oh life stalker. God. So 2000 and it's been going for 10 years, too, by the way. What? So I, some dude in uh, West LA, I was like near Century City. I was, try, I was at the Kinko's back in the day. Like I didn't even have a printer or nothing. I'm trying to like send a contract back. Uh-huh. You know, sign this in a contractor printer ain't working. So some dude comes over and he's like breathing over my shoulder real hard. He's standing up. I'm sitting down. And he was like, yo, you're professor, right? And I was like, uh, yeah, what's up? You know, and he was like, yo, I need to play you one on one. You know what I'm saying? I can't find no competition in the city. And then I looked up to him. And I realized like dude's high or something. You know what I mean? Okay. He's completely off. So he started going off for like. 10 minutes about how you need to play me and all this. And so finally, when I got to talk, I'm like, bro, UCLA right here, the best competition in the country. Like, you don't need to play me. He's like, nah, nah, nah. I think I need to play you, though. You know what I'm saying? You got these certain moves. It's, it's kind of like me. Like, I'm like that, too. So I was like, okay. Like, I was like, bro, I was like, honestly, I travel a lot. I said, if I'm in town, I hoop at a church. It says like an hour away. 
So he's like, oh, what church? What's the address? So I'm like, all right, bro. So I, like at this point, I just want to get out. I just got to leave. So I, was, so I said, Shepherd of the Hills Church. I wrote it down. Shepherd of the Hills. I said, it's in Porter Ranch. He's like, well, when do you play? I'm like, oh, open gym like Wednesday at noon. The truth is I went there like once a month, right? <laughs> and I knew if he came up there, it's a controlled setting. It was real chill. You know what I mean? It's like an outreach ministry situation. So that next Wednesday, I didn't go up there. I, I was just like chilling at my house, but I got a call. And this is like the head of the sports ministry. And he's like, are you okay? And I was like, oh, yeah, what's up? He's like, some dude came over here looking for you. And uh, we had to evacuate the whole church. He said he was going to blow it up if you, since you weren't here. And so I was like, Yo, wow. So he got arrested, all that. Then he started blowing up my booking email. He's like, yo, this is a so-and-so, man. He's like, I went to jail because of you. Uh, he's like, real adamant that we still need to play one-on-one and meet up. And I was young at the time. I, like, respond, like, I shouldn't have responded, you know what I mean? But yeah. I went back and forth. Then dude popped up on me like two or three more times. And, and so that really let me know like, like security is a necessary. Yeah. And then... You know, like I said, going to who people try to screw up the production, sometimes near fights. Uh, I've had other stalker situations, a little more lightweight than that. But like, really? Yeah. So security, I found, is super necessary. Did that situation ever resolve itself with this other crazy guy? Dude got locked up and then he got out and then he pulled up on me like two or three more times. Just seen dude like, what was that, three years ago or something? Maybe three years ago I saw a dude again. He, He was at a kid's camp at the same church. I host I host a camp there every summer, and I was signing autographs and taking selfies with the kids or whatever. And this dude popped up. He had a hat on though, so he's kind of like disguised. He's like, "Hey, what's up, man? It's me. Uh, I'm blanking. I can't remember the dude's name. I don't need to say it." But he was like, "Remember, I went to jail because of you." And like, oh my he's like, God. he's like, "But it's all good now. You know, we should hoop. Like, we should get <sighs> up and." And I was just like, "Hey, bro. like, I had security at the time. Like, Have hey, you seen him play? Can you can you get it, dude? Have you seen? Is he nice?" No idea. You don't know. <laughs> he told me. He told me he was a one. He told me he was. Elite. That's the most insulting thing about all this. He went to jail, and you still don't even know if he's know. any good. He showed. Well, one time I had a I had a, a meetup. I only did like a couple meetups, but it was like in Santa Clarita when I used to live out there. And he pulled up to that, and he was like hot. He had his ball in his back. He was like high though. He kept like walking to a fence, and then he'd come back and walk to the fence and come back. And I don't think we can even take it to the court. Dude was just like, right, whatever. So, anyway, hope he's all right now. But yeah, yeah. So things things like that kind of showed me that security wasn't necessary. You know, crazy. Yeah, that's wild. I know. Um, yeah, but it's pretty amazing. Like the reaction that you get. Like I seen you pull up on just like a bunch of young ass kids in a vlog. And, I mean, they're all screaming before you even get near the court. Like, that's the fucking professor. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. That's him. <laughs> I was like, bro, that must feel amazing pulling up to, like, any basketball court in America be able to get a reaction like that. That's incredible. Yeah, no. Nah, I feel like it's humbling because with and one, you know, we were up. And then mm. it was it was not. So to feel the down makes you appreciate the up that much more. And the know? best part is now nobody can take it from you because you're in charge of your destiny as far as this business goes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's a good look. It's a blessing for sure. Definitely. Yeah. How much work do you put into doing like collabs and stuff like that? Because I seen you playing uh, uh, doing a TikTok with Sweetie in a, in a vlog and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like, how did you even get lined up with that? And and does that? I noticed you didn't even bother to use that in the title and thumbnail. You you made it more about somebody talking shit to you uh like yeah. a tried and true classic theme yeah yeah so uh just through different connections like that one was with uh 
this agency with these two cats that were pretty cool. Mm. Uh, we had talked about working out. Nothing has come of it uh, thus far, but um, they were kind of trying to like show and prove. So he's like, yo, he's like, um, I love your videos. I watch and one forever. These two dudes were like longtime supporters, but they do content for like the rock and sweetie mm. and sweetie, you know, she killed it with the content or whatever. So they seemed like they were beasts. And he was like, yo, she's doing a Snapchat series. Like you want to, you want to be a guest on a Snapchat series. And I was like, Oh, I think that'd be dope. I said, I'll do it. But I said, can we get a TikTok or like a YouTube video out of it? Yeah. And he's like, uh, probably not YouTube vid, but you know, maybe a TikTok. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so I showed up, shot. I don't think her Snapchat series actually even dropped, but um, we shot the TikTok, but then somebody was talking crap, you know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) as we were shooting it, somebody was like, I'll bust your ass, man. Like, watched you forever, but I'll bust you. I was like, all right. So I was like, maybe we'll play after. And so, like, we did get some of the BTS, and that's why they they didn't allow me. We filmed the whole day, but they, they didn't allow me to use anything except for the TikTok collab. Okay. With her. Nice. So that's why I didn't put a title. Also, because like my audience, they're, they're so keen on just mm. just watching me embarrass somebody. That's the reason that they're there. If I do a straight lifestyle video, I get like 100K, 200K views only. Really? But I'm just picky now. Like I look at the top YouTubers, like I said, Casey Neistat, David Dobrik. I, don't, I say bangers only. I'm only, yeah. I'm only trying to drop if it's a banger. I used to do like filler videos that right. were like, get me over, you know, because I haven't re- uploaded. Yeah. Now I try to just be picky, even if it takes a long time to get to the next one. Right. Because I just, I just seen the growth from that and the momentum. You know what I mean? So I try to spam IG and TikTok. Nice. But, but with YouTube, way more strategic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you, um, where, in terms of the business of being you, is the merch a huge part of it? Is the YouTube revenue still a big part of it? Like, what, what's the the biggest things that we would maybe even be surprised by? Well, Global Hooper goes crazy. Global Hooper goes crazy, yeah. So, and are you just wearing that or the the sleeve right now just for additional real estate to advertise, or is there any kind of functional purpose for this right now? Yeah, no, this is pure swag. It has no okay. <laughs> no elbow treatment. I'm assuming that this interview isn't that strenuous <laughs> on your body. Yeah. No, shout out to Iverson. He started that, and that elbow brace. That's what turned into the sleeve, just being for right. style. I but admit it is pretty cool in a weird way. I don't really know why. Yeah, yeah no, I try to dress like uh, I try to just wear really loud outfits to try to give the merch more pop. You know mm. what I mean? But I seen a couple people lifestyle the sleeve, and I was like, "Oh, that's hot! I like that." You know what I mm. mean? So I started lifestyling it, and right now we have the twenty ninety nine collection. Um, everything's like a futuristic play, like some Back to the Future vibe. So wow! So you need these hater blockers. I brought you some. By you can play basketball on those. I did. Oh, it was my recent TikTok. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, that's cool. So I brought you some hater blockers, but yeah, no. Global <laughs> Hooper's big. Um, the biggest. Uh, thing i make the most money off is actually facebook believe it or not oh i hear this from people here in the adsense is the cpms are stupid you you never got your ads taken away on there um i've heard about it happening to a lot of people i actually talked to them directly i did a couple campaigns i actually have a friend who's like in on face so i I talk to them like all the time but so they helped me so i did have an issue one time and it, it took like a month even though i was in touch with them directly it took about a month and a half to put out that fire but wow but yeah, I mean, I try to keep everything like super safe. Like I don't dabble with no third party music. Right. Um, I don't even think of putting out anything. We always say if like, if we're questioning if it's a problem, just leave it out, we're good. You know what I mean? So. Um, and on Facebook, you can sort of like reuse your catalog over and over and it goes crazy, huh? Exactly, yeah. exactly. So that's what's dope. But, uh, but no, I mean, I shouldn't say that. It's either Facebook or like campaigns, you know campaign stuff so you get a lot of brand deals and campaigns people yeah. want to work with you in that regard too yeah they'll come and they'll be like uh 
pay they pay like a nice fee and we'll do like a 30 second youtube integration and then they'll be like can we get a tiktok post a couple ig story it'll be like some big package nice. and then we'll base the fee on like how bulky that is did how you, much you want me to do you figure out how much that's all worth and the business of like how to sell that to brands you figure that all out yourself or you you bring on a team at a certain point or like an agency or anything agencies like that? okay yeah uh no i do have somebody in-house we brigaded the biggest one i actually did uh was actually all in-house funny enough it was something with adobe a couple years ago oh, nice. but no agencies would be on it you know what i mean like they know the value in it so like it's heavy competition for agencies to get big influencers because the advertising is nuts you know what i mean and it's way cheaper for them than doing tv stuff or yeah. you know youtube pre-roll is pricey you know what i mean so they mm -hmm. could probably pay an influencer and i'm talking about the big wig companies you know pepsi right. taco bell burger king stuff like that they know if they can pay a few influencers and spread that out that's probably going to be a better what's the craziest one you've ever done you said the adobe one was in-house but like oh yeah ones where you just couldn't believe you were actually doing marketing on behalf of this brand oh man we've done jordan brand oh, wow. burger king um microsoft uh i'm blanking like everybody like wendy's right. uh who else i'm blanking zach yeah, Mountain Dew. We signed with Mountain Dew for a year one time. Oh, nice. I'm a soda addict, so that's that was cool. I like it. You ever had the Flamin' Hot Mountain Dew? Flamin' Hot? No. Somebody sent it to us in the mail, and we had they're, it. It was the, so good. They're beasts with the flavors, though. Like, I was a big really? fan of Code Code Red was a sponsor. Oh, I used to drink that when I was a kid. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I wasted a lot of money on Code Red. Fuck. Yeah, it's so good. That's that my diet great, weakness yeah. is soda. I say I'm, I'm not really an addict, but, like, that's my diet weakness. Code Red was the first thing. When I was 16, I worked at the grocery store, and every day when I would leave the grocery store, I would steal a Code Red, and I would drink it. And <laughs> then when I wouldn't have it, I started to realize that I felt bad and that I wanted one. And that was when I first started to understand what, really what addiction addicted. felt like. Yeah. <laughs> Was was from Code Red Mountain Dew. I've yeah. been there. I've been there. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. But um, but yeah, no, we've been we've been blessed, man. I work with all the the big the big brands, like doing brand integrations and uh, you know, some some long term sponsorships. Nice, we're great. So, what where do you see yourself taking the content? It feels like you've almost kind of like maxed out in a sense where you could go with the with the YouTube and stuff like you have such a good machine going with all mm -hmm. this when you think about uh like what more you could do in terms of content and stuff what, what are you thinking of as far as the content ideas or just in general uh yeah or, or like bringing it to different platforms and stuff like mm -hmm. I, I feel like I could see you kind of helping do content on a bigger level and maybe even just like doing content that would make basketball itself or, or you know a non-NBA storyline version of basketball i feel like you could do so much in terms of developing that kind of content and stuff like that 100 100 yeah. yeah i definitely want to expand on all levels i think um like i've had agencies try to pitch like netflix shows and stuff like that but you never know who you're talking about right netflix is a thousands of people so right. it's like i don't know if we were just talking to the right guy but i do notice that i really still just want to expand on social because i notice like for my brand integrations for marketing, even like this interview right here, like things always come from crushing it on YouTube. You, mm. Everything's a win. If, you, if you're doing crazy numbers on YouTube, like everything's a win. Right. And so lately we've been going crazy on YouTube and just trying to keep that on up. But, you know, hopefully the over 10 mil, you know, try to get to 10 mil subs and go past. That's the goal. But yeah, as far as expanding, I've done acting actually off and on my whole career. I never had any like huge roles or anything, but mm -hmm. I moved to L.A. I was actually the lead role in a movie. Nice. And it never got released. Oh, but I, that's but why I, you moved here. That's why I moved here, actually, to expand to acting. Because wow. I saw Anne one was going downhill. This is before it kind of ended. Mm. And uh, 
and I wanted to do that. So I'm actually trying to go back into that. Uh, I was in like there's an Adam Sandler movie this year. I, I just played myself in, and then like oh, wow. Nick Cannon had a movie. I just played a cameo as myself. But I would love to try to continue to expand that. I'm trying to produce a film. When did you become the professor? For the record, 2003. Okay. Duke Tango is the guy, legendary uh, MC. He'd be like on the floor with us announcing. So he gave, he gave Skip to my Lou his name. He gave Main Event his name. Right. But he said I was schooling people on the court. Mm. And I think he thought I looked like a professor, too. So. You didn't take offense like to it. Like, funny haircut. You're like, I'll, I'll let you call me that. When he first said it, I, it was funny, too, because, like, I didn't even know if I liked it. Like, yeah. when he first said it, I, was, I, told, I remember I told my brother that night. I was like, what do you call me? Like, the professor? Huh. I was like, all right, I guess. Like, but right. then it, now, it's, you know, full circle is, like, the perfect fit. Definitely. But, um, but yeah, track span, like, you know. Try to get on a streaming show. Try to help basketball choreography. All the things I've dabbled in, I would like to go mm. more into now. Yeah. Do you know what upload I loved was when you went to that prison in Nebraska? Thank you, man. That was a very moving video because I feel like a lot of t- I, I've watched a lot of prison type stuff on mm. streaming services over the years, but that one just seemed really cool because it's not like they were picking the craziest criminals out of the jail to have them be the ones that are on camera. It was really like you got to see all these guys just hanging out all just haven't like and so many of those guys said to the camera that this is one of the best experiences that they've had and just seeing you do your thing really motivated them and and, and made them think that they could be something better i mean that was like mm. actually kind of moving for me to see that yeah thanks man dude humble man that was actually uh through a ministry it's called prison fellowship right they wanted me to go there and just tell my story and the guy jay remember the guy was saying award-winning uh reality tv uh guy he, he did that show mtv made Oh yeah, yeah. MT- and he did. Uh, was it my my five hundred six hundred pound life? Because I'm a BMX guy, and they had a BMX rider. Uh, yes, I think a girl actually on that show back in the day, and that's main thing I remember from. I it. think I remember it. So yeah. anyway, this dude, this dude Jay is a beast. So like, I saw some of his work, and he was like, he's like, what could we do together? Because we had a mutual friend, and he linked us up. And I was like, um, he's like, would you want to do a documentary? I was like, I freaking love that. I said, I'll look at your work and see what's good. I've always wanted to do a documentary. I was like, I don't know if the you know the book's over but like let's talk about this so mm-hmm. i looked at some of his work and i was like all right you're the guy <laughs> like i'd love it let's do this and then we took it to uh we were we eventually now we we're trying to make a film but uh so it's on the back burner but along the way he was like hey can you do me a favor man uh he's like i got this deal with um this prison fellowship we go to prisons and we bring celebrities in there and we try to do like some ministry, but then I'm thinking we can get clearance to play some ball. Right. He said, this is a max uh, security prison in, in Lincoln, Nebraska. Would you want to go there and tell your story? And I was like, uh, you think they'd find value in that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is me not knowing. And he's like, oh yeah, I think so. He's like, I think so. And then if you could play ball, he said, I think we can make one heck of a video. And he said, they'll love it if it does good. And so I was like, I agree. The video would be hot if we could do it. Yeah. So I went in there. It was a little nerve wracking at first, but it went incredible. Another another one of those things meant to be. I only played for 30 minutes. You know what I'm saying? I got like right. 80 moves off, and I don't know. How many shots we missed that day? Four. <laughs> Four. So uh, it went perfect. And then I didn't think much of it, though, because corporate always screw up my video. When they shoot basketball, I try to cinematize it. Mm. You know what I mean? We we know for a fact. I learned from Anwin Mixtape. You just need to stand on the side of the court. You need to be at the right angle. But you need few right angles but just shoot at eye level center mm. the basketball like it's just a basic you know what i mean like right. you try to get all people try to move around and get all my i'm like bro people want to see the whole play you you trying to show my jersey yeah so i didn't have any faith in it i was doing it more for the ministry you know what i'm saying i was like oh it's one of those ministry events i'll do i said maybe the video will be all right who knows 
So he sends it back to me and I'm critical. I'm an editor, right? Sometimes we'll do like 30 drafts if we have to a video. But he sent this video to me and I'm not thinking anything of it. I watched it. Like I said, I was moved too. I was like, well, let's upload it. I know. Yeah. So he's like, let me know the changes. I was like, none. Thanks. Like, yeah. So we uploaded it and that thing did like 20 mil in a week. Yeah. I mean, one of the guys just kind of almost casually says, he goes, I've been here 35 years. And I'm just yeah. thinking about what 1986 must have been like yes. in comparison to right now. Like that just for a moment, that just put me in the frame of mind of just being like, holy shit, I am so thankful for everything I got going for me right now because yes. this motherfucker hasn't seen daylight since 86. Since 80s, bro. Think Jesus. what you missed. But no, that, that was what it was for me too. Sorry, I, I got sidetracked when I was telling you the story. Oh, no. I was humbled too. Like, this is a maximum security. Nobody there, there was only one dude that was getting out in like a month. Right. Nobody there was getting out in less than 10 years. Right. Like it was, like they were in there and then they had me sit in their cell too. And, you know, Jay was like, ask him what he's in for. And I was like, you want me? So I was like, what are you in for? And they're like, oh, you know, took a life, yeah. took a couple lives. It was a trip because, like, you know, outside of bars, from beyond bar, nobody's going to say that. Most of the dudes that when they asked him in that vlog, like, most of them say, like, yeah, murder, murder, yeah. double murder, triple manslaughter, like, almost all of them, that was it. it I was Yeah, like, it was a trip. But I, what I also learned is, too, to your credit, what you're saying is they're just people who made horrible choices mm -hmm. and... There's still people like, so it's so depressing in prison that like me going there, I didn't see the side of it. Me going there was just like a big uplift. It was super fun. And cause they didn't like no fun ever. You know what I mean? Mm. It's just a big routine over and over and over. And, and there's literally like, like literally a lot of depression and like horribleness. So like a lot of those dudes were and one fans. So they were like, mm. yo, this is lit. You know what I mean? And we had a really good time. And um, yeah, one of my best experiences as far as like shooting a YouTube video by far. Right. Yeah. yeah. That was incredible. Um, Okay, last question. Sure. What's the most humiliated you've ever felt after going to film a video or, or playing a game? Like, like for the camera, like, has anyone ever kind of done the professor thing to the professor? <laughs> like, just sort of just stomp your ass out? Has it ever happened? Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. So a couple things come to mind. I've got done up when I was younger, like in the and one days. Like right. I remember one time this dude did a spin move, but he stepped on my foot. But I but I hit the deck. And back in the day, they showed no biases. It didn't matter if professor was on top or not. They ran on the floor. I had to got taken out of the game. They yanked like, you out of here. I'm like, I can't even explain my I'm like, step on my foot. You, know I mean? you never can explain, right? Right. So that comes to mind. That was in that era. But in this era, I think uh we went to San Jose and I have no shame in saying it. This dude was really good. He was six nine. He was like an overseas player. Whoa. But I played him, uh, I played him like right off the bat, and he busts my ass like five zip. <laughs> oh wow! But I, but like, I mean, what was I gonna do? You know what I mean? This yeah. like, so six I nine. That sounds like a pretty good excuse. Yeah, so. I don't really have any shame in saying that. But what it did, what sucked is it, it was like one of the shows that I've done that I didn't, I didn't really fulfill. I didn't kill it. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I played two dudes after that. And like they were kind of scrappy too, ex college ball players. And I, and like I won. I got a couple moves off, but it wasn't. It just like wasn't a dope day, you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that's that's what I remember. But yeah, I mean, we have played in the park where we get beat. Mm. Um, but I don't know. I, I haven't got dropped in a long time. Like. Right. I mean, some. I used to play pickup all the time. Now I only play if we're rolling. Right. Like I ain't, you ain't gonna catch me playing unless we're making a vlog. <laughs> but before, I, is, yeah. Like, is it just not fun to you or what? Uh, it's not a good use of your time at this point. Not a good use of time because mm. I keep getting injured. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh. Like basketball to me is fun at every rate, but. Yeah, now 
you almost feel like it's useless too because i used to play in leagues and like yeah. i'll go crazy in a league have people running on the court going crazy and i'm like why didn't we film this like and yeah. then at a certain i think like 2014 i was like okay i'm never gonna touch the court without filming like this makes no sense we really? keep getting too much dope stuff and like that could be viral right you know i'm not know how it worked back how then, did you uh how did you tear your achilles tendon was that the worst injury you've had in recent memory the worst basketball injury yeah yeah so uh uh, so that injury comes from just being too tight. Like, oh, I'm not okay. a very flexible person, but I hadn't worked out in, like, five or six months, something like that. So I hadn't worked out in a long time, and then I think we played too long. You know, at my age now, I try to play for, like, an hour, hour and a half and call it a day. I think okay. we played for, like, two and a half, three hours. And uh, we got toward the end, and I just did a movement that I never do normally. Like, usually when you go to push off, you kind of, like, push back into the side. That's how you go to the basket. Your uh -huh. back foot, it pushed back into the side. For some reason, I did, like, this fake jab step, and I faked, and then, like, I put my foot on my toe right in the middle of my body and tried to, like, push with all my weight. Achilles just snapped. Like, my body didn't go anywhere. I just hit the deck immediately. Wow. But I think it was because, like, too tight, not stretching enough, not strengthening not enough movement. So now my goal is like, well, when you do the Achilles, you got to rehab that forever mm. if you want to play at a high level. So I never, I made rehab lifestyle, wow. which is dope because it helps me work out. And then like I run a few times. I just try to never not be active because when you get active, uh, less active is when you get tight and then tightness can lead to, and that's like your worst enemy. But you couldn't ball for what, like a year? Or uh, it took me 18 months to actually get to a point where I played. I remember I played a 2v2 for a vlog, and I forgot that I had gotten injured. Like, you know, during the heat of the game, I just didn't think about it. What was life like for those 18 months, though? Like, Because it's kind of like a, a sneak preview of what it's going to be like to be an old man, right? That's what I always think is kind of interesting about interviews. You're, yeah. like, you're in your 20s or 30s, but then you get the sneak preview of what it's like to not be able to do that thing that you kind of based your whole life around. 100% it sucked. And they even told me, like, hey, just be prepared. A lot of people uh, get depression and mm. suicidal during this times because you're not going to be up. So I had crutches, and I was in bed for, like, for the first, like, three months, I think it is. Right. And then when you get up, you got the baby legs, so you, like, will go with the limp, and you can barely get around. Then, then when, when you can walk normally, you feel incredible. Like, walking is such a blessing, you know, yeah. you don't realize until it's taken away. Uh, but, no, I, I didn't – I don't think I hit depression. I don't think so because um, though some people were telling me I wasn't going to recover – my surgeon, he was like, no, nah, you're going to be good. Like, he's like, I think, I think you'll be fine. Like, he's like, maybe not quite as – he actually didn't even have an accurate thing. He was like, maybe not 100%, you know, but, like, you'll be able to make your vids and be good. And You ended up basically 100%, you think? Better. Wow. Yeah, came back better. Um, there's a lot of – so uh, sports rehab has come so far the last, like, mm. 20 years. Like, it's nuts. Shaq ended his career off the Achilles. Isaiah Thomas from Pistons, he ended his career off the Achilles. Um, Chauncey Billups did it and didn't come back the same. Kobe was never quite as explosive and stuff. Wow. So I was literally thinking I was going to be a part of that. But what I didn't realize is, like, they got 82 games. The demands yeah. of that is way harder. That's what I was thinking, yeah. 82 games. And then Kobe, you know, he kind of, even his last game where he scored 60, right? He's not the same Kobe's before. Like, he was slower and stuff. But I forget, he had a bunch of injuries. You know, he had mm. a knee injury, all this, and he still got to play every other night. So for me, I don't have to play like NBA players, so I can go ham and feel great. Right. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, I was bummed though. I was emotionally bummed, but I I don't think I ever got to like depression. I just I had other injuries too. I broke my foot, you right. know, separated my shoulder. So I was used to trying to come back better, make it your goal to. 
come back better, you know? That's what's up. Yeah, yep. I, I, it just reminded me that I've been trying to kind of turn my dad into a professor fan because my dad is like the biggest fucking basketball nerd. Like okay. growing up, he was just like always going to high school games and college games and stuff. And I always thought it was kind of strange, you know, like it, at one point, <laughs> one of his friends told me, he goes, there's probably nobody who knows more about college and high school basketball that isn't working in that world than your dad. Like your dad is one of the only people weird enough to be paying this <laughs> close of attention. To all He's these. like culturing basketball. He loves this shit. I love that. So I sent him the video of you playing as the nerd, uh, the like six minute video. I thought maybe my dad could comprehend what's going on in this clip. And I might, I might send him this interview too to be like, you know, because I, I did the same thing when I interviewed Dennis Rodman, because it's not a lot of overlap in terms of people I interview that he would sure. really know who they were. So yeah. sure. But no, that's dope, dude. I appreciate that. I that's awesome. Phil Grand Mason's going to be a fan soon. That's my opinion. Who is this? Phil Grand Mason, my dad. Oh, OK, I love yeah. that. dude. Shout out to Phil, man. <laughs> but but no, my pops like that, too. He goes like local high school game, even though we're, you know, kids are gone. Like right. local high school games. My parents, they're retired, so they're out here for the next six months because my bro is the head coach at uh, Westmont College. Oh, nice. So they just want to watch his whole, like, season, wow. and, you know, and still support basketball. You know, my pops just like that, though, same. Is your dad still super excited about what you have going on? Oh, yeah. yeah. She, my parents are like – my parent, without my parents being that supporter, I don't think I would have done what I did because all the preparation I said, like I said, the preparation before the opportunity was put in. Like, look, they, they put me in every camp. Yeah. I had an inv individual trainer in fourth grade – uh, AAU year round. This is before, like now AAU is standard that it's year round, right? If you want right. to be a Hooper, you just play AAU all year. It's not even a debate. But this is like when that was like a new wave. So I was all year round, gym memberships. They let me keep them awake and make the neighbors mad by hooping <laughs> on the driveway every day until 1 a.m. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's still support really heavy even today. Fire. Yeah. Amazing, man. Yeah. Well, Professor, I'm a big fan, and uh, I'm, I'm really in awe of everything you've created for yourself. It's quite a life, and uh, much respect, man. Thanks for the interview. Hey, man, humble, man. You're a media goat, so I'm taking notes. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm humbled to be here, man. Thank Professor you. Professor Podcast coming soon? I love the, I love the idea that we do an interview. Can I get you of course. All right, well, hey, maybe it's cemented. It starts here. For sure. Um, right. What do you want them to check out? Obviously, the merch and everything, your YouTube channel, uh, social media in general, I guess. Yeah, check, yeah, check me out, uh, YouTube Professor Live, um, The Professor on all of the platforms, and check it out, globalhooper.com. Fire. Yeah. Thank you, man. The Professor. No jumper. Coolest podcast yeah. in the world. Check us out on YouTube, SoundCloud, Patreon, etc. Like, comment, subscribe, nojumper.com if you want to support. Appreciate you, man. Hey, thank you.